Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey guys, thank you for tuning in and welcome to Explorers Guild. I'm Leah and I'm here to talk to you about law. Today, that's Warcraft lore. World of Warcraft seems like one of those monoliths of gaming that has been around forever and it won't be going away anytime soon. And for many people, the crazy long lifespan, the sheer amount of content with its plots, subplots and overarching mega plots, like, they just make the game overwhelming and off-putting to dive into for the first time. And it definitely was for me. First I'll be chatting through a little bit of why I'm doing this and then I'll start the lore running. I dabbled in WoW here and there over the last few years and only really put any real time into the game when the refreshed classic was released in August 2019. It seemed like a great opportunity to get a real vibe for the game from the very beginning, and it was! A group of merry scallywags grinded and grinded and cried and grinded even on holiday until we hit level 40, we finally accessed our riding skill and promptly stopped playing. The lore of Retail WoW was too much to resist, so we re-rolled on a Retail, aka Modern WoW server, marvelling all the while at the way the game had heavily simplified levelling and made things much more accessible for newcomers, and we had a great time. However, with the huge breadth of content and the ultimate focus on reaching max level to complete higher tier content, thanks to that deep competitive streak, I realised after hitting max level that I had taken very little of the story in at all. I was so focused on gearing up, making sure my DPS rotations were as good as I could get them, and clearing content as quickly as possible to access new perks, that I hadn't actually paid any attention to the story. And with BlizzCon came the Shadowlands expansion trailer, and even more knowledge of my ignorance of the deep lorey goodness I was clearly missing out on. I decided to remedy this with research, and there are some fantastic lore resources out there, but most of them just went into a little bit too much detail for me, or told the story in a way I didn't really connect to. So I made notes, and I researched more, and somewhere along the way I thought, what if I put this time to good use and, I don't know, helped other people understand the very basics of this huge story as well? And what if I don't just do that for World of Warcraft? What if I tried to make the basic universe of every big game franchise out there feel accessible to anyone? I did something similar a few years back with a good friend of mine called My Name is Bife, but it was for the game Destiny, and it seemed to go quite well. It's a bit of a selfish endeavour, if I'm honest, as this helps me learn much better than just reading lore. And that brings us to this, a podcast designed with complete franchise newbies in mind. If you've ever held a passing interest in WoW, maybe you're just curious about the game, or you're a seasoned veteran looking for a top-up, hopefully this will be of some use to you. In this podcast, we'll focus on the major players currently affecting the game's story in early 2020 and leading up to the next expansion, Shadowlands, so you'll hopefully have a crash course knowledge of the major stories leading into this. For the sake of not overwhelming you with information, much of this is obviously simplified. Lawheads, you have been warned. We will concentrate on the things that happened in 2004 WoW and beyond, but there is a wealth of backstory available in the original Warcraft games too. 
In a nutshell, WoW is broadly about the battle between huge titans that watch over worlds in the cosmos and their counterparts, the Void Lords, who exist on the fringes of reality. Much of the focus is on the world called Azeroth, which contains a wealth of deep ancient power. The stories in WoW center on the infighting on the planet itself and the results of the external corruptions that influenced powerful figures to cause catastrophic events. And that's as basic as I can get it. One of the big themes throughout the story is the never-ending tension and often fighting between two major factions, the Horde and the Alliance. For the Horde! The Horde are essentially a collection of races, including Orcs, Trolls, Tauren, and more, banding together to survive the hostile world of Azeroth. Allegiances are often broken, hierarchies and leadership positions often disrupted and challenged, but the overarching values of strength and honour bind the Horde together. For the Alliance! The Alliance are the races mostly historically native to Azeroth who seek to preserve order in lands that are increasingly fraught with perils from small and huge threats. This includes humans, dwarves, draenei, worgen and more, with the overarching values of hope, faith, knowledge and justice. Now there have been huge faction splits, betrayals, dramas and events deep within each major faction, but talking about everything happening there would take a lifetime. So let me know if you want me to talk about those in a later episode. For now, I want to concentrate on their current state and how they got there. The world of Azeroth was originally home to one single landmass called Ancient Kalimdor, with life fed by a huge lake of arcane energy known as the Well of Eternity, before a cataclysm tore the mass apart into what we know today. The well remains the central point to the world and is now called the Maelstrom. Surrounding the Maelstrom are four major continents and other major islands. To the east are the Eastern Kingdoms, home to the confusingly named continent of Azeroth, and notable points of interest like the Alliance City of Stormwind. To the north lies Northrend, the seat of the infamous Lich King. To the south lies the recently uncovered Pandaland of Pandaria, and to the west, the vast continent of New Kalimdor. The Horde leadership arrived from a planet called Drenor, home to playable races, orcs, and eventually Drenai seeking refuge. Some of the native orcs were corrupted, turning some into monsters and convincing the leadership to invade Azeroth. They were helped by Azerothian sorcerer Medivh, who, corrupted by the same dark forces, created a dimension gate for the Horde to travel through for their invasion. If you've watched the Warcraft movie, this might seem a little bit familiar, as the movie follows the corruption of Horde instigator Gul'dan and Medivh, and their eventual demise. Things happen slightly differently in the game, however. The Alliance recruited help from across the lands of Azeroth to try and defeat this orcish Horde invasion to middling success, and the Horde slowly over time won over Azerothian locals like the Tauren and Trolls to their cause, often due to the Orcs willing to help them where the Alliance had failed to. This gave them significant presence on Azeroth. The Horde have a stronghold in eastern Kalimdor known as Orgrimmar, where the Warchief resides. The Warchief was, until very recently, a scary lady called Sylvanas Windrunner, or if you'd prefer any of her other insanely badass titles, Banshee Queen or Queen of the Forsaken. 
Because of the nature of the Horde's leadership and her history, many within this faction distrusted their new war chief, and she'd acted in ways many can't fathom, something that will be very significant soon and explained a little later on, and explains why she's no longer the war chief. The alliance is currently held by the diplomatic King Andwin Rin, seated in Stormwind in the Eastern Kingdoms, who became king after his father lost his life fighting a demon army known as the Burning Legion. Again, his backstory is massive, and I can't do it justice in the time I've got here, but I would love to go into that in a further episode. So that's a brief insight into the Horde and Alliance. Now, a huge character that you will find repeatedly mentioned throughout the story is Sargeras. Sargeras is a titan, one of the most powerful beings in the entire universe. He once served with the other titans as a champion of the Pantheon to defend the worlds they discovered. We're going to talk about what's been going on in the huge wide universe beyond the world of Azeroth. An important part of the WoW fantasy is understanding that some worlds are formed around a world soul. These souls are essentially tiny baby titans that would sleep and mature over millennia, eventually becoming true titans. The first titans to wake banded together to become the Pantheon. They travelled the cosmos, known as the Great Dark Beyond, finding worlds and trying to see if they too contained world souls. They would calm the natural elementals that populated each world and terraform it before sowing the seed of new life forms on the planet, and if a world soul was present on the planet, this would encourage them to become active. As light is met with dark, the antithesis of a world soul is a void lord. The Void Lords seek to use another huge presence in the game, the Old Gods, as a tool to fully corrupt a world soul, with the goal of eventually creating an unspeakably powerful and dark creature that would destroy all of creation. It doesn't sound like a great idea to let that happen. On his travels across the cosmos, Sargeras came across a planet infested with such Old Gods, close to corruption, and he learned of the Void Lord's plan. He felt his only option was to destroy the planet and the world soul with it. When he then returned to the Pantheon, the other titans were not happy with Sargeras, wishing to find other ways to deal with the corruption. This led to Sargeras's eventual estrangement as he took this fear to the extreme, abandoning all the other titans in order to create an army of his own. His solution to this problem was simply to wipe out every other world soul in order to prevent any potential corruption and to save the cosmos. He essentially wanted to reset the universe and allow life to naturally occur on its own once more, just like it must have done in the very beginning. The problem is, there's no guarantee the void wouldn't just occur again and repeat the pattern, but Sargeras is blinded to reason. This is the very beginning of much of the conflict we see on Azeroth. Azeroth was discovered and identified as the most powerful world soul to ever exist, and unfortunately, the old gods were already ankle-deep in their attempts to corrupt the otherwise tranquil planet. We'll talk more about that very soon. For now, back to Sargeras. He recruited a demon army known as the Burning Legion to carry out the task of destroying life in the cosmos. The Pantheon tried to convince him that Azeroth could one day be powerful enough to counter a Dark Titan, but Sargeras answered by cleaving his former student Agrimar in two, he defeated all the titans with the dark fell energy he'd acquired alongside his demon army. Through quick thinking, unbeknown to Sargeras, the titan's souls were somewhat saved but scattered throughout the cosmos. 
Sargeras then went on a recruiting mission, convincing many powerful beings from other worlds, namely Argus, to join him by offering crazy amounts of power. On the world Argus, two of the three native leaders agreed, joining his crusade, and the third declined and fled to the world Drenor with what would eventually become the playable Drenor race. The new recruits continued to recruit further beings to the Legion's ranks, and the Burning Legion consumed and destroyed an unknown number of worlds throughout the cosmos, before sensing the power of the Well of Eternity and casting their gaze upon Azeroth. The ensuing fight and eventual banishment of the Legion's demon army into the Twisting Nether was the cause of the aforementioned Cataclysm, which ruptured ancient Kalimdor and split Azeroth into the continents we have now. This banishment of his army was a big blow to Sargeras, but he didn't give up. He continued to manipulate powerful figures in Azeroth so he could infiltrate every part of the world, including his corruption of the Sorcerer Medivh and the Orc Warlock Gul'dan, who seeked the power he'd been told existed within Azeroth. The Burning Legion continued to find ways to weaken and invade Azeroth, and during the third invasion, Sargeras sought to destroy the World Soul directly, by destroying the planet, and he almost succeeded. Over much time, the diminished souls of the former Pantheon Titans, which Sargeras had defeated earlier, found their way to Azeroth, where they were assisted and nurtured until the Burning Legion found them once more and tortured them, looking to manipulate and corrupt them to use their power. Luckily, they were eventually freed and used the last of their power to pull Sargeras away from Azeroth, and while they were doing so, in his rage, he managed to plunge his gigantic sword deep into Kalimdor, causing Azeroth to bleed, with crystallized Azerite emerging across the planet, a power that you harness for yourself as a player. If you travel to Silithus, you can still see his insanely huge sword stuck deep into the world, and much of the current power content is based around this. Sargeras was imprisoned in the Pantheon, but that hasn't stopped the effects of his corrupted reach from continuing. And so, Azeroth, the world soul, is now considered to be the only titan left. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. At this point, we've briefly mentioned the Old Gods, but it's important not to understate their impact. As mentioned earlier, the Old Gods are the tools of the Void Lords. They're powerful, eldritch, horrifying beings, physical manifestations of the Void, designed to infect each world they're unleashed upon in an attempt to corrupt the world souls within. 
On Azeroth, four old gods ruled the world long before the Titans found it. They created the Black Empire on the surface of ancient Kalimdor, with civilizations and temples built around their huge, monstrous flesh. They enslaved the ancient rulers, the elemental lords, to their bidding. The old gods fought each other, and the old gods fought the Titan Forged, sent down by the Pantheon to stem the corruption, because the Titans' bodies were, quite frankly, too big to do the job themselves. The Titan Forge managed to defeat the enslaved elemental lords, but the task of defeating the old gods was just too great, and the Titans had to take direct action. The most powerful old god, Yasharaj, was pulled from the world by Amantul, the most powerful Titan, but the depth of its root-like tentacles was underestimated, and the planet nearly destroyed in the process. So the army of Titan Forged were instead tasked with imprisoning the old gods beneath the surface of Azeroth. The old gods have continued to whisper from their prisons, intending to corrupt the mortal world through any means possible, sending visions of their Black Empire dreams, desperate to escape their prisons, and they are so very, very patient. Two of the old gods were presumed defeated, but not fully dead, and the other was unleashed upon Azeroth once more very recently. Its name is Nazoth. I alone can save you from what is to come. To understand how Nazoth has reclaimed some of his former power, we first need to look into another interesting character we haven't mentioned yet. So, cast your minds back to the Well of Eternity and how it was destroyed. Well, Queen Ajara was a beloved ruler at that time, until her people came into contact with our old friend, the Titan Sargeras. He convinced her the world needed cleansing, and she worked with the demons to try and summon the full Burning Legion through the Well of Eternity, until their plans were thwarted. The resulting collapse of the Well, destruction of ancient Kalimdor, and creation of the Maelstrom sent Queen Ajara deep into the Great Sea, where she was contacted by Nazoth. To save herself and her people, an uneasy alliance was formed, and Ajara and her highborn night elves were twisted into what we now know as the Naga. She served under Nazoth and corrupted under his influence, doing the work that Nazoth, still imprisoned, couldn't do directly. She manipulated both Alliance and Horde heroes into empowering the necklace you wear in the game, the Heart of Azeroth, and after trapping these heroes, used this power to shatter the bindings on Nazoth, freeing it. At last, embrace the truth of shadow. In the latest expansion raid, we see Azara trapped and tortured by one of Nazoth's followers, but she was too powerful for Nazoth's influence to work on anymore. Nazoth, as it turns out, despite considerable power, was the weakest of the old gods on Azeroth. Upon defeating her torturer, Ajara reveals they need a specific dagger to defeat Nazoth before handing it to us and disappearing. It seemed she had realized her power and turned against Nazoth for using her as a slave rather than an equal as their bargain had promised. Our brave champions, or just your raggedy raid team, are sent to deal with the final threat of Nazoth and defeat him. He's presumed deceased, but things aren't always that clean in World of Warcraft. With so many mysterious things in play, we can't say for certain. Ajara is 
still out there somewhere. So now I'm going to talk a little bit about the trailer for the most recent expansion and give some context to that whole event. In the trailer for Shadowlands, we see a huge fortress-like structure approached by a pretty angry person faced with armies and an imposing figure on a throne. The person fights this army solo, a testament to her power, and manages to capture the throned figure before relieving him of his crown and breaking it in two, causing the very skies to shatter. The throned figure is one who holds considerable power on Azeroth, and the attacker has an incredibly detailed backstory. The fact that she so easily defeated him is pretty damn scary, and here's why. The fortress in the trailer is known as Ice Crown Citadel, bound in the middle of frozen wastelands on the continent of Northrend, and home to the seat of the Lich King. The Lich King was originally created by one of Sargeras's minions from the spirit of an orc shaman to command an army of the undead to terrorize Azeroth and weaken it so the Burning Legion could come in and finish the job. The story of the Lich King is fascinating and culminates with your raid team defeating the inhabitant of the crown. Unfortunately, the undead scourge created around the throne would not just disappear once the king was defeated, meaning somebody would need to take the mantle and the curse along with it, and live out the rest of their existence as the Lich King, all while resisting the corruption of the Helmet. The Lich King became the Jailer of the Damned, imprisoned within the frozen throne and holding back the threat of the Scourge. There must always be a Lich King. The Helmet is particularly important, Known as the Helm of Domination, it was this which allowed the Lich King to control the Scourge through long-distance telepathy. The Helm being torn in half would imply that the Scourge had no master, making them more dangerous than ever before, but this was not the only effect its destruction had. Let's look at the Ranger who stormed the Citadel. No ordinary ranger could have overcome such defence. This was the work of a character who has been part of the WoW story for a very long time, slowly rising the ranks, popping up to cause trouble every now and then, and growing in power secretly while the world was fighting other threats. Her name is Sylvanas Windrunner. Sylvanas has worn a lot of hats in her lifetime. After facing defeat on the battlefield, her soul was ripped from her body, turning her into a banshee at the will of the Lich King. She eventually regained control of herself after the Lich King was weakened, gathered like-minded undead who suffered similar fates, and commanded this Forsaken army in vengeance against the Scourge. The Forsaken eventually joined the Horde, but her intentions and loyalties have been questioned, mostly because of her precarious position between life and death, and her knowledge of her own eternal damnation just waiting for the moment she fails. She became the War Chief, the effective leader of the Horde, and eventually abandoned this post with the proclamation that her loyal followers meant nothing to her or her true cause. You are all nothing! So she fled with her closest allies, those who truly understood her delicate balance between her desire for vengeance and her eventual damnation, which understandably terrifies her. And so she ended up in Ice Crown Citadel, where she broke the Lich King's Helm of Damnation 
and tore the veil that separated Azeroth from the Shadowlands at that point. She is reportedly in cahoots with one known as the Jailer, who controls a realm within the Shadowlands known as the Moor, home to the most evil souls in existence. She and the Jailer fed the Moor, growing in power all the while, and this story will play out in Shadowlands with the Jailer as the antagonist. So that should give you a very basic idea of the sort of threats you're going to find within World of Warcraft. And when I say this barely scratches the surface, I mean it. There are so many fantastic characters I've had to deliberately skip over, like my fave dwarf boy Magni Bronzebeard, and the fantastic demon hunter Illidan Stormrage. But alas, there's only so much time and so much to cover. If you'd like to hear me break down more of the stories of Azeroth, please do let me know on Twitter or Instagram, at Leviathan. And if you found this woefully inadequate, I do apologise, I did try my best. I hope this was accurate, but sometimes research fails you. For me, the fun thing about this is almost every single place I've spoken about is a place you can actually visit in-game, with the questlines giving you deep insight into the history of the land. Sometimes you just need a reason to care about the story before you fully appreciate what the game is giving you when faced with so much information. And there are plenty of fantastic videos on YouTube made by dedicated WoW lore masters accompanied by visuals that can help give you more context, so do feel free to check those out if you want a little bit more. Thank you so much for listening to Explore, I hope you enjoyed, hopefully I'll catch you next time, bye! Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.